Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you uh, for everyone under the sound of my voice. Thank you, Lord, for your people who've been waking up every morning to pray, Monday to Friday, for the past over two weeks now. Thank you for your testimonies in their lives. Thank you for the encouragement and the things you've been doing and been showing them. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, because we have not even touched, you know, we have not even touched the real, the, the, the main menu, the, the meat of it. What you have just been saying is come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you for allowing us to even taste. Our Father and our God, I pray for everyone right now for the grace to be consistent. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that no one will be lazy. No one will just find it easy to, oh, I want to sleep more. But Lord, they will rise up. Let there be a steady in every heart. Let every heart be stirred up to start to pray. Pour upon us, Lord, that spirit of grace and supplication, the spirit of prayer and of intercession, Father. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Come and enable your people. Come and anoint us afresh to pray, to push in the spirit that we will not relent. We will not give up. We will not back down. We will just follow your leading and your directions, Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, thank you, Father. Thank you, wonderful Savior. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Thank you for this service. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to journey with us, Lord. Take us from where we are to where we ought to be. Let there be revelation. Let there be insight that will bring revolution and transformation to lives. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Praise God. What an incredible God. He is indeed an incredible God. For the past two weeks, we've been looking at the culture of the kingdom. Remember, we define culture as a manner of life, behavioral pattern, and thought patterns of a people or group of people. The thought pattern, behavioral ways of behavioral pattern, the manner of life of a particular group of people. That is what culture is all about. Amen. And all of these, you know, their, their behavioral pattern, their, 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 their behavioral pattern, and uh, their, their manner of life, a major, major part of it is their thought pattern. That's why. We've said it here before. Watch your thoughts. Because watch your thoughts. Your thoughts will eventually become your word. Watch your thoughts. What the thoughts you allow. What the thoughts that dominate your heart. Because your life follows your dominant thought. And not only that. Whatever you are thinking a lot about will eventually come out of your mouth. Watch your words because they will become your word. They will become your actions. Watch your actions. They will become your Habit. What your habit will become your your character, and then your character will become your destiny. Be careful the thoughts you allow. Oh yes, yeah, some of us like to just sit down and then think. Where you're seated, you've already gone to. You've gone to. Uh, you've, go, you've gone to Africa. You've gone to this place. You've gone to that place. We're sitting in the same place. Just be careful. So that you are not allowing the enemy to influence your thinking pattern. 
Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. We mentioned there, was mentioned that the culture of the kingdom is love. From John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you do what? You love one another as I've loved you. Interestingly, he didn't say a new commandment I give to you, that you walk in power. He didn't say a new commandment I give to you. Oh, that you let people know and wear a big cross and then go there and, and, and talk to them and argue with them. No, he said, no. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Verse 35. By these all we know. How will all know? By the kind of dress you wear. How will all know? By putting on a big cross. How will all know? By wearing a cassock. How will all know? By the way you talk. How will all know? By being able to let people know that maybe the big Bible you carry. No, no, no. By these all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And when we're talking about this love, we're not talking about... You know, we're not talking about the love that people mouth. Because sometimes, you know, oh, how are you? Love you, darling. People say that a lot. Even when you are checking out in the supermarket. Oh, they say, oh, you know, people, thank you, darling. People talk like that. It's become like a lingo to them. That's not the kind of love we're talking about. This is agape, which is love in spite of and love despite of. The one that took Jesus to the cross. The one that made him to lay down his life and shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for you and I. Amen. Don't ever forget this. How will men know that you are his disciples? By having love for one another. Love forgives. Love cares. And love does what? Love will prefer the other. Amen. Today, I'll be taking us again into the scriptures as we start to look at the operating system of the kingdom. We've been looking at the kingdom of God, fulfilling the kingdom mandate for many weeks now. All these messages, God has been giving them to us to reposition us. For us to be equipped, imparted, so that we can make an impact. I'll repeat, God wants to impart us so that we can make an impact. Impartation is of the spirit. Impact is what happens in the natural as a result of the impartation that you have received. You can effectively impact if you have not been imparted because it's not by power. Is not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So God has been teaching us. How do you make an impact in your family? How do you make an impact in your place of work? How do you make an impact wherever you are located or you're in your own area of influence? By walking or understanding and applying the principles of the kingdom of God. You will make an impact. And that is what God wants you to do. And you will in Jesus' name. So today, I want to take us again on the path of how do you operate in the kingdom? 
How do you operate in the kingdom? Because many believers do not have an understanding of this. Thank God that you are born again. Thank God that you've given your heart to Jesus. But in spite of that, if you are without knowledge and understanding, the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. If you don't have the knowledge, if you don't have the understanding, you will be separated because the word perish there means that you will be separated from the good that God has ordained for you. The enemy will take advantage of ignorance and he will use that to afflict you. That is not God's will for your life. That is why God has been bringing us these messages at this time because the time is now. I repeat, the time is what? Now. Now for us to enter into God's promises. Now for us to start to experience a lot of the things that God has been saying to us. Now, now, now. And I want to say this. It doesn't matter what is happening in the natural. It doesn't matter lockdown or no lockdown. It does not matter, oh, the storms you're facing. When Jesus spoke to them and said, let us go over to the other side, he didn't tell them, let us go over the other side, or you, you, you might meet a storm, or I'm not sure whether you get there, if this particular storm should take place. Because the word of God, that word he gave to them was superior to any storm. He said, let us go to, over to the other side. Did he know there would be a storm? Absolutely. Did it matter? Of course not. Because... <laughs> storms will bow before the world God has spoken to us this is a year of open doors and limitless possibilities if you hold on to that world if you run with that world if you declare that world and I said declare that world because you can't be declaring that and be declaring something else you can't be speaking from two sides of the same mouth you must be declaring that and be trusting God for it that this is my own time. It is my portion of my Lord. That's so that it can become your experience. Amen. Praise God. How do you operate in the kingdom? What is the operating system in the kingdom of God? Is it possible? When we say operating system, what exactly does that mean? Maybe I should use computer language now. Because this is a computer generation. Operating system simply means the system software that determines what goes in and what comes out of a particular computer. Is it possible for you to have iOS and want to operate with a Google operating system? Is it possible for you to have Samsung, for example, some of us love Samsung. And then you are now, well, I think I want, iOS is what I want to use. You will end up confusing yourself. In fact, they will, they will jam. They will lock. The phone will not function. Uh, because Google phones, will, they operate by what? Google operating system. iPhones operate through what? iOS. And then Samsung, they have their own what is called what? The Android operating system, some of us, even though we belong to the kingdom, we've been trying to operate in the kingdom with the world operating system. It will not work. It will not work. So at this time, it's important, even though our focus has been on the kingdom of God, to let you know that there are other kingdoms too. 
to let you know that available or in existence around us, there's another kingdom. Because many don't, we're not conscious of it. We're focused only on the natural. And we forget that there's another kingdom that is also seeking to influence, in fact, to destroy. And I want to take you. So what exactly is that? Oh, I know. Don't, 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 don't just assume you know. Let's go to the world. Let's listen to the master. Let him talk to us himself. So I'll be taking us to the book of Matthew chapter 12 from verse number 22. Matthew 12 from verse number 22. There's another kingdom. There are other kingdoms. And I want to show you some things there. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. This is far, far bigger than just the literal miracle that took place. Can you see there? He was demon-possessed. A particular force had come upon him, twisted that person's, twisted things about him. So this demon had come to possess him, had taken him over, and showing that this man became what? Blind, unable to see, no illumination regarding the future, mute. No, the man cannot even declare, cannot make declaration because he will decree a thing and it shall be established unto you and light will shine upon your path. Your your voice is your address in the spirit. If you cannot declare, you'll be denied. I say, if you cannot declare, you'll be denied. It's part of the operation of a system, and I'll get there in the days to come, that there must be what? You must be able to declare. But thou shalt decree and declare, and it will be established unto you. It's a major weapon of warfare. This man was blind. No illumination. No illumination. He was mute. No inability. Lacked the ability to make declarations. And he healed him so that the blind man could now see. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will grant you spirit of wisdom and understanding. So that you may know what is the word. You may know in verse 18. So that there will be illumination of your imagination. That the eyes of your inner man will be open to see. Because if you can see, how do you get there? The picture you don't have is a future you cannot have. Picture determines future. You must first of all be able to see it in your heart. Then you possess it in the natural. Oh yes, because what you don't know cannot confer benefit on you. Then this one was brought to him who was demon possessed. How many people, somebody said, well I'm not blind. Oh, this is, like I said, this is first dimension. Scriptures are interpreted in three dimensions. This is just the first dimension that this thing happened. But look at it. How many believers are walking about blind even though their two physical eyes are open? And mute. And he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke. And what? And what happened to him? He saw. 23. And all the multitudes were amazed 
and said, could this be the son of David? The Bible says they were astonished beyond measure. <laughs> oh, seeing the miracles that he performed, that he has done all things well. That is the one we are talking about. They were amazed. They were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? 24. Now when the Pharisees had it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. What was the, look at the people, look at 23. The people were what? They were amazed. They were excited. The ordinary people. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders, what did they do? They had it and they said, mm, what does he say? This one is casting out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. 25. Now let's listen to Jesus now. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, how did he know their thoughts? Because he has learned to listen at two levels. Learned to listen at two levels. Amen. A lot of times people say things different from what is in their, what? In their heart. They will say things, but what is different from what is in their hearts? But thank God for the Spirit of God that is able to walk like a laser, just move in and start to dissect the thoughts and the intents of the heart. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to what? Desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. 26. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? So here we are, Jesus acknowledging that there's what is called what? A satanic kingdom. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom what? Stand. 27. And if I, Jesus, cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore you shall be your judges. 28, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, remember, I spoke to you about the Spirit of God. Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Again, you can see here, the kingdom of God. It's that if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then if I, by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So you find here, Jesus identifying what? The kingdom of Satan and then the kingdom of God. The kingdom of Satan, and then the kingdom of God. Let's go for, let's read further. I will take you to Matthew chapter 11, where he spoke again about this, about what is happening concerning this kingdom. Matthew 11, verse number 12. I call these two opposing kingdoms on a collision path. Two opposing kingdoms on a collision path. Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until where? Until 2,000 years ago. No, until now, this present day, the kingdom of heaven suffers what? Violence. And the violent take it by force. On, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, this present day, the kingdom of God suffers what? Violence and the violent take it by force. This is not physical violence. This is not attacking people physically or naturally, but there's a, what is called a passionate, you know, a passion in your heart to advance God's kingdom. This is the violence that he's talking about there, not physical violence. 
Because I don't want you to live here and say, yes, a pastor said that the kingdom of God suffers violence. Now, if you say anything to me, I'm going to beat you up. No, I didn't say that to you, and you're hearing something else. Amen. Don't go and beat anybody up. The spirit that is abiding and living inside of us is what? Is love. Is peace. Is joy. Amen. But let me read it to you, you know, from uh, uh, the TPT version. And you hear, you see there clearly, with more clarity. For I tell you the truth, throughout history, there's never been a man who surpasses John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. Yet the least of those who now experience heaven's kingdom or those who operate heaven's kingdom will become even greater than he. Will become even greater than he. That's verse 11. Now, verse 12, from the moment John stepped onto the scene, hallelujah, from the moment John did what? Step onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. The realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people, passionate people, passionate people, these are passionate people, passionate people. You can never be in faith and not be excited about the word you're hearing. You can never. In fact, that is one of the ways that you know you are in faith. When you are in faith, excitement will fill your soul. Because you'll be full of expectation. You'll be passionate about the words you've, you've received and the words you've believed. Passionate people, what do they do? They take it by force. One translation says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. Forcefully advancing. And passionate people uh, cause it to advance. So these are two kingdoms which are always seeking to influence the natural realm. This the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of God. Satan's kingdom is always making effort to impose its will on humanity. Import its will on humanity, causing destruction, and uh, you know, determined to frustrate God's plan for the believer and for God's creation. It's a continuous effort, unceasing effort, because in the realm of the spirit, they don't need to rest. Spirits don't need rest. You know, they don't go and leave. They are perpetually working. So it, there's a determined effort from the enemy, from Satan, to impose his will on humanity. And how does he do that? By stealing, by killing, and causing destruction. In addition to that, through orchestrating what? Hatred and strife. Division. Division. Strife. Oh, do you know this? Bro, do you know that? You know, let me tell you something. The Bible says that the time of ignorance, God what? Overlooks. Because when we don't know some things, you know, um, but the moment we know, the moment we're clear, and then we're deliberately causing strife, you know, oh, do you know, and the rest of it like that, that is someone operating under the influence of satanic kingdom. Satanic kingdom. Satanic kingdom. They orchest continually orchestrating strife and hatred. Causing people, bringing people against one another. 
causing sickness and disease on the face of the earth. That is why I told you, you know, completely unrepentant about it, that COVID-19 is from hell. COVID-19 came from hell. Yes, you might say it came from China. I'm not disputing that with you. I'm not uh, saying that it didn't come from there. But I know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age that operate through flesh and blood. To operate through flesh and blood. Oh yes, it came from hell. And the enemy found willing human vessels to use, through which is now transmitted on the face of the earth. Because as, as cunning as the enemy is, Satan cannot do anything on the face of the earth in the natural without finding willing, cooperating human vessels. The moment none of us is willing to cooperate with him, we we'll slam the door shut on his face. In the same way, but different now, the kingdom of God is also seeking toward to infiltrate, to influence, and infuse the natural, filling us with abundant life so that we can fully experience everything that God has ordained for us. God wants us to live a fulfilled life. God wants us to live an abundant life. God wants us to live, you know, in a way, because we're his ambassadors here on earth. That is why, you know, remember the song I sang sometimes ago, I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. I have the fruit of the spirit. I'm abiding in abiding in divine. Abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine. Love, joy, health, peace, he has made us mine. That's the purpose of the kingdom of God. You know, finding a new way of living. Abounding and abiding in the vine. Love, joy, health, peace, he has made us all ours. Without prosperity, the power and victory. That is what the kingdom of God, that's what the kingdom of God wants to give to his own. So that we are living in what? Love, joy, hell, peace. But you know that many times that is not the situation. That is why we need to learn how to operate. Oh, in the kingdom of God. The operating system of the kingdom. Amen. How do we do this? As I was praying in the spirit, I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do we do? How do we operate? In your kingdom. Because we need to manifest the kingdom. This is not just theory. Not just things that we talk about. Talk about. Without experiencing it. And I believe. That the time is now. Now. Before, because the word. He gave us some, this word earlier on. said for thou shalt arise. And have mercy upon Zion. The time to favor her. Yes, the said time has what? Come. For you will arise. The Lord will arise. And have mercy upon Zion. And have mercy on you. And have mercy on us. For the time to favor us. The said time has come. So I was praying, Lord, what do we do? How do we, 
how do we manifest and operate in the kingdom of God? I was praying in the spirit, asking him, Lord, expand this to me. Show me so that I can show them. There's no, there's no point. You just know something and maybe you, but how do I effectively explain this to your people? And he said to me, go to the book of beginnings. Go to the book of beginnings. And I want your attention. If you want to operate in the kingdom, if you want to experience the kingdom, if you want to manifest your, the kingdom, you can't afford any distraction at this time. Listen, not just with your ears, but with your heart. So that you are taking in every word that the Lord is giving us at this moment. He took me to the book of beginnings. And again, this word was coming to me. That if one could just understand, if you can just understand the book of Genesis, you have a clear understanding of the entire scriptures. In fact, that if you can understand the first three chapters of Genesis... Three chapters of Genesis, you have a clear understanding of the entire Bible. Somebody say, wow, I want to encourage you, go and study those three chapters. Because we kept going back to it again and again. Kept going back to it, kept going back to it, kept going back to it. From the very beginning when we started looking at what? Fulfilling the kingdom mandate. Fulfilling the kingdom mandate. He said, go back to the book of beginnings. And then he started opening the scriptures again to me. He said, go to Genesis 1 from verse 26. Genesis 1, 26, which we term God's mission statement for man. Genesis 1, 26. It reads, and I quote, then God said. Who said? God said, let us... Meaning now, the entire Godhead, not God the Father, but God and the entire Godhead consisting of the Son and then the Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the beds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I want us to see something there. God said, let them have dominion, not let us have dominion. The way most Christians, we view things and we've seen things, we've been saying things is that, oh, dominion belongs to God. Absolutely. But he did something with it. <laughs> oh, yes. He committed this unto the hands of his own. Let them have dominion, not let us have dominion. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, then let them. It's only the man that has been made in his image and his likeness. It's only the man that has been made in this image that can exercise dominion. He now said this to me. The word image, what does it mean? What does the word image mean? Of course, this is not natural physical image. 
Because God is not physical. He's not a, God is not a natural person. He's a spiritual being. So this is not the natural image that you see yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror. So let us make man in our image. The word image there is the word, the essence, the characteristic, the essential nature of God. So man was made to carry God's essence. He was made to carry his essential nature. He was made to carry his characteristic. And he said, he said, all of these three is referring to just one thing. That this man that he has created will carry his DNA. This man will carry his DNA. Have you noticed the words being used? You know, in the Bible, when Jesus was teaching, because most of his audience were farmers and many of them never went to school, he was always using the farm, the farmer, the seed, and everything like that. But today, many of us are educated and is bringing forth the world in a way that you can relate to, have clear understanding. He said, when he said this, that man, when he said, let us make man in our image or in his image, that he was saying that this man will be made carrying his essence, carrying his essential nature, carrying his characteristics. So that this man will actually have one thing, the very DNA of God. So he gave man his DNA from the beginning so that this man can relate to him without word hindrance or limitation. And I said, to relate to him without hindrance or limitation. I said, wow. Then what is the key to operating the kingdom? And he said to me, the key to operating in the kingdom or the operating system of the kingdom is relationship. Relationship. Relationship is the key. Relationship is the key to operating in God's kingdom. And he said to me, let's go to chapter 3. And we went to chapter 3 together. And if we go to chapter 3, verse number 8, he said, it was because of relationship that I will come down in the evening to just spend time with my man Adam. And before the fall, and even after man committed sin or treason against his creator, God will come down and will spend time with Adam because of the relationship they had. And they will share, they will talk, they will fellowship together. And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, we have the record here. And they had the sound. Who were the day Adam and Eve had the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, instead of normal the way they will do, but this time, because of what transpired in Genesis 1 to 7, verses 1 to 7, they went and hid themselves from what? The presence of the Lord. 
the presence that they've hitherto embraced, the presence that they hitherto have enjoyed or have been enjoying. But as a result of the fall, when God now came again, the cool of the day, to find them, fellowship with them, they ran. And that is the reason why up till now, man is still running away from the presence of the Lord. That is why man is saying we don't want the Bible in schools. Because Bible, God's word represents what? His ways, his presence, and because they are inspired by his spirit. We don't want the Bible in schools. Don't talk about this. A man became the premier of a state, New South Wales, and presented his program for the people. The first thing, a particular group of journalists, media, the first thing, I had it myself. Someone who just became the premier. Somebody, you know, that, that I would have thought that, what plan do you have for the people? How do you want to alleviate the sufferings? What do you want to do to help to, to, to get the state out of this COVID situation? The first question that a reporter from ABC asked him was this. Now, regarding your faith, now your faith, don't you think your faith will be offensive to, I said, what does that, you know, faith, why? Because of Genesis 3.8. Man always running away from faith. They don't want to hear anything about faith. The moment they say faith, a man of faith, somebody proclaiming faith, something is steered out by who? The kingdom of Satan. To oppose that, to oppose what taking place. Adam ran away from presence. Verse number nine. And then the Lord called to Adam. Can you see? He's still calling us to calling on to us today. Call to Adam. This message is calling on to you. Maybe you've been fervent. Maybe you want fire for God, but the fire has gone down. You only take time when you think, oh, I think I have time now. Let me listen. The fire is gone. Oh yeah, the fire is gone. God is calling you back to himself. God is asking you to return home. God is asking you to return to your first love. You know how committed you are, how dedicated you are, how you love to be there, how you are one of those that will first of all get to church, but now you are just so busy. But now you know this, you know that easily there are all manners of excuses that you give. God is saying, come back to me. The Lord is saying, I love you and I want you to return home. I want you to return home because the path that path will not lead you to destiny. That path will cause you to be shortchanged from the destiny that I have for you. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? Then verse, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. What happened there? Man sinned. Man committed rebellion against the word that God gave him. And the consequence of that was the loss of relationship. So man that will run to God 
and they will fellowship together and spend time together. He's now running away from him. Not only that, faith has been replaced with what? With fear. And suddenly, he now saw that he was naked. I went into this about three, four, five, six weeks ago. I'm not going to go into the details of it. He now saw that he was naked. Was he not naked before? He was naked, but suddenly, his eyes were now open. And the glory had what? Departed. Man has now become what? Ichabod. The glory has departed. The glory that was covering his nakedness was no more. Now he was not seeing himself the way, seeing himself in his nakedness. And the Bible says, you know, said, and I went and hid myself. This is the very epitome of the loss of relationship between God and man. And up to today, this man is still running away from his creator as a result of what loss of relationship. Relationship is the key to operating in the kingdom of God. I will take you to Jesus because Jesus came to restore relationship. Jesus came to restore and he demonstrated it. I will take you to Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. From verse number one. Luke 11, verse number one. And I'll show you something there. Luke 11, verse number one. It reads, and I quote. Now it came to pass, as was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray, or taught his disciples. They saw that he was, they saw, saw, the disciples have noticed at this time that his prayers were powerful. They've noticed that his prayers were getting results, that there was something different from the way that he was praying and the way the Pharisees prayed. They noticed that this man was not just recounting, you know, not just recounting, you know the prayers that you read from the book. Let us pray. And then you go to the book. Oh Lord, these and that. And you're ready. What's the difference? They saw that that one, they were just reading it. But this one, there's a connection from his heart. They saw that not only that, after he will pray, something will happen. They saw that his prayers were powerful. They saw that his prayer was, was making impact. They saw the way he spoke, the way he talked. They said, nobody, nobody spoke like this man. There was grace upon him. There's something different with him. They saw all of that. They now went to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In this season of God calling us to the place of prayers, I want to ask you, I appeal to you in the name of the Lord, ask God to teach you to pray. To teach you to pray. Because true prayers are not, is not just what? A form. There's something about prayers that makes it so powerful. And I pray that the Lord himself will teach you and teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. The way God will want us to pray. 
Because it's not just that somebody say, oh, I'm, oh, we're going to pray. We're going to bombard the gates of heaven. And to be honest with you, I've said that myself before. I've said that myself years ago. I've said that myself. We're going to bombard. You know, the, the entire thing uh, sounds really spiritual. Oh, come on. We're going to bombard the gates of heaven. Then suddenly it started opening my eyes. That the reason why you are bombarding the gates is because you don't have the key. If you have the key to the house, will you be standing there and be bombarding the gates? He said, but I've come to give you the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> the keys of the kingdom. Hallelujah. So that you don't get to the gate and start to bombard it. You get to the gate and open the gate. And then you step in as one called, as one who belongs. Amen. From that time, I said, wow, Lord, forgive me, help me. I will stop bombarding the gates now. Just give me the key so that I can just walk in and, and, and just enjoy the time with you. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples to pray. And he now said to them, verse number two, when you pray, say, oh. Is that what he said? He said, when you want to pray, First of all, go and get a big cassock. Is that what he said? He said, when you pray, pray in this way. How did he, what did he say to them? When you pray, just say, our Father in heaven. Wow. Our Father in heaven. Probably they were expecting him to give them seven keys or seven steps to, war, to bombarding the gates of heaven. Maybe they were expecting to tell them to, yes, maybe this is and that. But he said, when you pray, he says what? Our Father in heaven. That the keys or the secret to what you've been seeing in my life, the secret to the success and the experiences you have been seeing, the key is my relationship with my father. Because fatherhood denotes what? Relationship. You don't call somebody father if you don't have relationship with the person. When you say, this is my father, either naturally or spiritual, there must be some relationship that is connecting the two together. The relationship, he said, the key to the success you have seen, the key to the ministry, the key to my life is my relationship with the Father. My do you know one thing? That before Jesus said this, nobody, nobody has ever mentioned anything about what? About the fatherhood of God. How were the Pharisees praying? Oh God. And they will not just say, Oh God. Because you say, Oh God, people might not think you are spiritual. Oh God. They say, Wow. Power is going to come down. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no power coming down. They were just shouting. They were just shouting. They were just shouting. That is why today when I listen to people pray, and somebody starts by saying, oh God, it doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't sit well with me. It's like 
does this person have the relationship with the Father? Because Jesus did not pray and say, Oh God. He said, Our Father. Fatherhood denotes relationship. Fatherhood denotes what? That you are connected. Fatherhood denotes what? Covenant. A covenant relationship with someone that you are what closely connected together. So when you say, when you now say, remember, he didn't even say my father. Because if he had said my father, then that would have been limited to him. It would have been in a way saying to them, boys, don't try this at all. Some of us can do it. I know what to do. I have the key, but you guys, you're still, you're far, 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 far away. No, he didn't say that. He said, our father, meaning that whatever thing you've seen in me, you can have it too. Oh God, thank you, Jesus. Ah, that whatever we've seen in you, whatever thing, the way you walked, that we can also have it too. The relationship that you had with your father, the relationship that you have with your father, that we can also have it too. Jesus did not exclude us. Jesus included us. He said, our father, our father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done as it is in heaven. Oh, wow. He said to me, when he showed me the example of Jesus, he said to me, he said, relationship is the key to, op to operating the kingdom. Relationship is the operating system of the kingdom. Faith flows out of relationship. Favor flows out of relationship. In fact, relationship is the currency of the spirit. And the reason why sometimes people struggle with faith, people say, I don't have faith. The challenge is not the faith, it's not the faith issue, it's the knowing problem. Knowing problem, because with relationship, faith will flow. There'll be an outflow of faith. There'll be an outflow of favor. The relationship is the key thing. Relationship is the currency of the spirit. Relationship is the operating system of the kingdom of God. Because of relationship, you can call and he will answer. Because of relationship, you will know when to call. Amen. You know when to call. You know that when you call, it will answer you because you have relationship. That is why you can come with boldness to the throne of grace. To receive what? Mercy. And to find grace to help in the time of need. I've watched little children. I've raised some myself that when they're little, when there's this confidence, they just, they, no, they're not even bothered. No matter, they can go to their father. They know the father will not send them back. The more people, the older people get, people are now a bit more restrained. Sometimes they don't, oh, because maybe I don't want the father to see this. Maybe I don't want the father to know this. Maybe I don't want the mother to know this. I don't want the mother to know that one. You know, they become more restrained. But when they're young, they just walk with boldness. Don't lose your boldness with your father. Don't lose your boldness with your father. Oh, because relationship will, will what? Will bring intimacy into your life. Intimacy will enable you to look into his heart and see. And he will also be able to look into your own heart and also see. That is intimacy. My own definition of intimacy is not, is not big at all. Very, very simple. Look into me and see. Into me and see. 
And that can only happen because of relationship. I will round this up by taking us to someone else who understood this, who laid hold of this revelation. No wonder he made the impact he made in his life. Let me take you to Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. Romans 8, verse number 14, and I will close. The key, the operating system is relationship, and I'll build on that next week. But let me take you to Romans 8, from verse number 14. Now, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are what? These are sons of God. This is not just talking about male because I need to explain that. Someone said about daughters of God. He's not talking about, he's just talking about maturity. Because sons are more mature than just children. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of what? Of God. Verse 15. What does it say? But for you did not receive the spirit of bondage to what? Again, to fear. You did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear. To fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, What? Abba, Father. The word Abba is the word Daddy. Is the word Daddy. Because we have received the spirit of what? Adoption. We belong to Him. We are part of His kingdom. We can say, Daddy. We can say, Daddy. Oh, Abba, Father. Oh, Paul understood that. God gave him that revelation. No wonder he was able to accomplish a lot of the things that he did. Amen. Maybe I should read it to Rose also from, um, from the TPT version. TPT Romans 8 from verse number 14. Romans 8 from verse number 14. Look at what it says. It, read, it reads, and I quote, The mature children of God. Remember I said sons means maturity. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, not by their feelings. Not by their feelings. They are not yo-yo. They are not up to date down tomorrow. Because feelings are what? They are unreliable. Sometimes you feel good. Some other time you don't feel good. If you walk by your feelings, I'm telling you, you'll be yo-yo. You'll be up and down, up and down, up and down. He said, but they are not moved. They are more moved by their feelings, but they are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Hello, somebody. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Leading you back into the fear of never being what? Good enough. Because the enemy is always reminding you that. I say, you're not good enough. Look at you. And then oh, comparing you to others. I say, look at you. You're not good enough. Look at so and so and so. Look at so and so and so. Look at your mates. Look at what they've gotten. Look at what they've, they now have. Look at you. And you look, then you look down. Your face goes down because you are comparing yourself with others. Those who compare themselves to themselves are not wise. Says the scripture. You are unique in God. There's a plan of God for you. It's not by word. We're not in a rat race. Amen. Now who will get there first? No, you run your lane. I'll run on my lane. And then we trust God to take us to the very world, very end. That is why we were all born at, two different, at different times. Some born in a particular, others, and even within the same year, 
different time because you are unique. And there's something that God is working with you. I believe that if you can have a clear understanding of the kingdom mandate, the kingdom of God, a lot of things will fall into place. Look at us. Look at it. Say we have not received this, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved father. Beloved father. is our beloved father. is my father. And I hope he's also your father. This morning, if he's not yet your father. This afternoon. Hearing this word, this message, if you think it's not yet your father, or maybe you are not sure, or maybe the relationship has been fractured, like it happened to Adam and Eve in the garden, it is time for that relationship to be restored. So that you also be able to say, Abba, Father, or Daddy, or Beloved Father, and he will hear you, he will respond to you, and he will grant you. And will open things to you so that you see what is in his heart for you. And then you'll be able to lay hold on each and every one of them. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Today, if you're not born again, if you're not sure you're born again, maybe you say, I prayed with prayer sometimes ago. That's not been born again. This day, I want you to bow your head and say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want this relationship with you. I want to be yours. Maybe you are born again, you've gone back. Rededicate your heart to him. Ask him to reign and rule in your heart so that you also be able to say, Abba, Father, without any restraint. So that you are not saying it and then there's, a, there's something you are saying, you can't say that. That you say with freedom from your very heart because you truly belong to him. Say that. Ask him to come into your heart now. Ask him to rule in your heart. Ask him to reign in your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for this day. Rule in the hearts of your people. Reign in their hearts. Be their Lord. And be their Savior. The Lord, that spirit of adoption. Will be so real to them. So that they too can cry. Abba, Father. Or Daddy. Or Beloved Father. In the name of Jesus. That you'll be able to walk with boldness to the throne of grace. To receive mercy. And find grace to help in the time of need. Thank you, wonderful Savior, in Jesus' name. And the people said, 